scripture reading this morning is from the book of Matthew, chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. Walking on the water. Right then, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead to the other side of the lake while he dismissed the crowds. When he sent them away, he went up onto a mountain by himself to pray. Evening came, and he was alone. Meanwhile, the boat fighting a strong headwind, was being battered by the waves, and was already far away from land. Very early in the morning, he came to his disciples walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. They were so frightened, they screamed. Just then, Jesus spoke to them, be encouraged, it's me, don't be afraid. Peter replied, Lord, if it's you, order me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. Then Peter got out of the boat and was walking on the water toward Jesus. But when Peter saw the strong wind, he became frightened. As he began to sink, he shouted, Lord, rescue me. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him, saying, you man of weak faith, why did you begin to have doubts? When they got into the boat, the wind settled down. Then those in the boat worshiped Jesus and said, you must be God's son. May the living word of God speak to us through these ancient words of scripture. I imagine like many of you, it's often a struggle to find something to put on TV. <laughs> and so I have taken uh, recently to rewatching old tried and true series, putting them on in the background. And right now, I resurrected Frasier. <laughs> I resurrected Frasier from the 90s, um, from the, that sitcom about a psychiatrist with a radio show moves to Seattle, um, but the beloved character from the older sitcom Cheers. Um, and sometimes it feels a little bit old and dated, didn't age very well, but I'm actually finding it laugh out loud funny. A couple of days ago, there was an episode called Leap Day, and I was surprised at the timing of watching this particular episode um, with Leap Day just a couple of days away. So Frazier in this episode challenged his listeners and his friends and his family to do something intentional with that extra time, with the extra 24 hours that Leap Day afforded them. Now, of course, it devolved into hilarious disaster, and it didn't really work out so well for them. You can ignore that part about it for this sermon this morning. But it did get me thinking. It got me thinking about Leap Day and the fact that we have that same experience this week with a February 29th that only comes around every four years. And it is true. 2024 has 24 more hours than most of the other years that we will live. And so I wondered about the opportunity that we are offered. What would it look like to do something with those 24 hours? Is there adventure to be had? Are we putting off something that this is actually the perfect time to do? Maybe there's a special phone call that you could make that day. Maybe there's a drive or a destination that has been calling to you. Maybe there's something that takes a little bit more risk that you could intentionally do on this day. Maybe there's a leap of faith that you could take. And how can we make the most of this day in that sense of a, a leap of faith that is in front of us? And we have another leap of faith by happenstance this week. It wasn't planned that Peter's leap of faith takes place the week of this leap day. As he stepped out from the safety of his boat into the chaotic waters that were swirling around him. You remember that we're using Peter's story as this framework for the whole series of Lent. 
And we tend to know little bits and pieces about Peter. We get him in dribs and drabs. We don't really usually read his story chronologically from the beginning of his faith to the end. Because as much as it's possible to read biblical accounts chronologically. But Peter had a beginning of his faith. That's what we talked about last week when he was fishers for people. And this week is his sort of second story of faith. It's another boat, but this one's not quite as safe as the first one. And still we find it's safer than the churning waters that were around him. And so we're using Peter's story to affirm that faith isn't a straight line that goes from point A straight to point B. We often picture faith as starting out from nothing and growing into this more stronger, wider, more expansive, more deep sense of faith that throughout our life as we travel this very straight path that faith simply gets deeper as we go. And that if we wander around a little bit, that that's almost a lack of faith. The reality is that that's not how faith works, right? That doesn't happen. And here's the key to this. That's not just okay, but it's normal, it's appropriate, it's right, it's typical. Because there is no typical faith journey. We can't plot out points on a chart and expect that we will follow it. Not only does life get in the way and challenge that, but there will naturally be seasons in our lives where we feel and think and discern differently about our faith. Sometimes comfort is needed. Sometimes we need to be challenged. Sometimes we need to be encouraged. Sometimes we just need to focus on God's love. And all of that is what it means to be faithful because it's active, it's engaged, it's intentional. And sometimes we don't even realize it as it's happening. We just look back and realize, oh yeah, I needed to be comforted in that moment. Oh yeah, I needed to be challenged and pulled out of my stagnation then. And we realize it later that it wasn't that straight line that we were sort of wandering our way through. Well, Peter lived this. This was his life. He didn't always get it right. And he had to do it for the whole world to read about for thousands of years afterwards. You may have heard me say before that my youth pastor growing up used to call the disciples the duh disciples because they never quite got it. It seems like they are always just not quite there. They're just sort of having this duh moment. And Peter in particular struggles with what it looks like to have faith in God as revealed in Christ. And he had the benefit of Christ standing in front of him. We have to do all of this, this figuring out and this wandering of faith on the trust and belief and seeing with our hearts, not with our eyes. So our series affirms, too, that we wander through our faith like Peter. But importantly, and most importantly, that wandering does not equal lack of faith. That as we travel this twisty path of faith, it's not a straight line. That it doesn't have a typical or natural progression from day to day that simply grows. That when we're born, we have nothing, and when we don't, when we're at the end of our lives, that we have this bigger faith from the day we first believed until our last breath. In fact, often as faith develops and deepens, we're left with more questions than answers. And I think that that is well demonstrated by today's Bible story. It's a very surreal, mysterious story. It's one of those that feels very miraculous, that walking on water is reserved for the likes of Jesus. It's a mark of the divine, except in Matthew. 
Only, it's the only gospel where Peter steps onto the sea in addition to Jesus. There are parallel stories in both Mark and in John where just Jesus steps out of the boat onto the water, but not in Matthew. Matthew, Peter, steps out as well. Now, a little context for the story, just because we're not doing our out-of-context series anymore doesn't mean context isn't important. So right before this, Jesus has fed the 5,000, another miraculous, very public story, very visible display of power. And not long before that, John the Baptist was beheaded. You see, the context here, this whole Jesus thing that these disciples are now a part of, it is getting very real. People are dying. People are being held accountable by the authorities, and they're participating in a movement that was disrupting the status quo. Their world was like their boat. It was in the midst of a storm, being thrashed about and battered is the word that we heard. The Greek for battered is actually more like tortured, tormented. And also important here is the historical context. Remember that the Gospels were written well after these events would have taken place. So Matthew is likely after the year 70, probably around the year 80 or 90. And it means that Matthew's audience, the one who is reading his writing, it was the early church. The early church faced severe battles to survive among the storms of their day. Persecution, persecution attacks, killings. The physical storm around this boat is a metaphor for their world of the early church, but it's also a metaphor for our world. It's not a far stretch to put ourselves in that metaphorical boat. And it was also after Jesus had left the earth. So seeing this figure of Jesus coming towards them, towards the boat, walking on the water, it would have been a very comforting image to a church that no longer had the physical body of Jesus before them. Again, not unlike us. But I think that the biggest question that arises out of this, the one that I tend to focus on the most when I read this story, is what Jesus says to Peter as he starts to sink. Does Peter lack faith? Now, Jesus says to him, you man of weak faith. And so, no, we hear right from Jesus that it's not really about lacking faith. Even Jesus recognizes that faith isn't strong enough to keep him from faltering, but it's not entirely gone. It's more weak faith, little faith. It doesn't mean no faith. But clearly he had a moment of doubt that threw him into this sinking chaos around him. Now, I think that this, the phrase sounds pejorative. It's very easy to read it in that way, like Jesus is condemning Peter for not having enough faith. But that's not Jesus' character. That's not his personality. It's not his mission. Jesus is an encourager of faith. And so I prefer to interpret this as less judgmental, like you of little faith, why didn't you trust? More as nurture. My young in child, my young in faith child. Why? Why did you begin to doubt? He seems to invite Peter into an exploration of his faith rather than a condemnation of not having enough. He asks him a question that invites him to consider why, not to suggest that he failed. This is what opening dialogue and relationship looks like. Because can we ever really have enough faith? What does enough faith look like? All faith is a journey, no matter how strong it is. 
and judging yourself against someone else's faith. That's not very helpful. And so Peter here shows us that faith is hard. That's why he's so relatable a character to journey through Lent with. He stepped out of the boat. He took the leap. And then he got caught up in the fear, and he lost sight of what was keeping him afloat. It is so easy. It is so easy to get pulled away from what matters, from what focuses our eyes, from focusing on God's presence in front of us and God's voice calling to us from the midst of the chaos. It is so easy to let our minds wander to those dark places that pull us back time and again. And into that steps Jesus, calling to us, reaching out to us, and grabbing us when our hearts start to sink, saying, my child, young in your faith, still figuring it out like all of us, why? I think that the second question that then comes from that is what actually is faith? What is it that Jesus is now encouraging him to have when he says, you of young in faith? What is that faith? Martin Luther said that faith is a busy, living, active, mighty thing. Faith is a living, daring confidence in God's grace, so sure and certain that the believer would stake their life on it a thousand times. In other words, faith is an action word. It's not just a feeling in your heart or in your soul. Faith is lived. It is stepping out of the boat in trust. It's leaving the safety of the boat and entering the chaotic waters. It's leaving the safety of this sanctuary space and entering the chaotic waters that swirl around us. We do this every day, but with faith, Though the world is chaotic, we can partner with God in doing something about it. We can partner with God to calm the storms that swirl. And I think that faith in this story is not just about Peter. We usually focus on Peter's faith here, right? But Jesus' actions and Jesus' faith in Peter are just as important, probably more so than Peter's. He proves that, first of all, he is divine with this act. And then he bids Peter to come to demonstrate his faith and the call of the divine. And with Jesus' beckon and call of his life, Peter embodies divine qualities. As he doubts and wavers, Jesus hears his cry and he grabs him and he rescues him. You see, Jesus stands ready to rescue in the midst of both faith and fear. Peter doesn't have to stand in perfect faith. Jesus has him no matter what. We don't have to stand in perfect faith. Jesus has us no matter what. And so a key part of this faith is trust in that. Do we trust Jesus' voice calling to us to step out of our boats? Do we trust God's promise to reach to us when we start to fear and sink you see, doing so, trusting, leads us, as Martin Luther said, to live with bold confidence of God's grace, staking our life on it a thousand times. So what does this look like for today? Well, trust is 
clearly that first step in trusting that Jesus is there, reaching out to us, saving us. But the next step is to consider what it means in practice. And if Luther says that it's staking our lives on God's grace, that sounds kind of scary. Are we asked to give up our life for the sake of the gospel? Are we being asked to literally lay down our physical life to stand up for the grace of God? If those are the stakes, then I'm not sure how many of us, including myself, would be able to claim them. It is hard to even fathom that idea. But there are those around the world every day who have to consider whether they will live their faith for risk of being attacked, whether Christians or Jews or Muslims or any practice somewhere in the world. It's not generally our lived experience. Thank goodness, right? But what does then staking our life on it look like in this context? Being so confident in God's love and grace for us that we can step out of the safety of our boats and into the storms that rage. Because the, swirl, the storms that swirl in our context, they're hatred and division and anger and exclusion. They're just as real of life and death issues that are faced around the world and for some might just be that matters of life and death. There is something at stake in living a life of faith in God's grace. What is at stake is the vision of God, the vision of God for our world, a vision where all people are lifted up as loved and valued, where we interpret the Bible in a way that extends God's grace, not limits it, where we embrace love and do not breed hate, where we live with respect and not judgment, where we work toward unity instead of bolstering division, where we speak out for those who can't speak for themselves, whether it's because their voice isn't heard, or whether it's because they've lost their voice, or whether it's because they feel as though they never had one in the first place. Ultimately, faith is about how we live. And it's risky to do these things, to step into the chaos of the world and to seek to meet Jesus in the midst, but Jesus calls us there. And if we are willing to ask him to call us, he will. And when we step out of the safety of our boats to take that leap of faith into the chaos of the churning waters of the world, we take on the characteristics of the divine. We can walk on water to bring order to the chaos, to calm the waters, to change the world for us and for those who are still back in our boat. And it is hard. It is hard to do this because the boat feels safe. It feels secure, even as it's being tossed around. And there is no guarantee that we won't be exactly like Peter and start to focus less on Jesus calling us forward and more on the storms that are swirling around us. And that's when we start to sink. But we are called forth anyway to take that leap, to hear the voice of Jesus calling and encouraging you to change the world. Have courage. It is me. Do not be afraid. Take that leap of faith and step out onto the water.